The coronavirus has put the NHL season on pause. When will we see games again? How will the league handle playoff scenario moving forward? We ask Hall of Fame Rangers beat writer for the Post, Larry Brooks. We're also excited to chat with one of the most outspoken players to ever play in the NHL and also a fellow podcaster, Sean Avery. All that and more next on Up in the Blue Seats with the New York Post. Welcome to Up in the Blue Seats Podcast, a New York Rangers podcast with the New York Post. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you subscribe on Apple, rate the show five stars and write a nice review. We will be releasing episodes on Wednesday afternoons. Yes, still, we will release episodes amidst the coronavirus. So set your calendars accordingly. The Post Rangers beat writer Larry Brooks will join us this week. We are also joined by a former Ranger, very charismatic, very outspoken. It's the great Sean Avery. But now, here's your host of Up in the Blue Seats, number 10, Ron Duguay. Hi, everyone. Yes, it's been a week. No hockey. The coronavirus has put a pause on most of everything. Uh, We're all having to adjust. It's a time that uh, for some, it's very difficult. Some are out of work, but for others, it's a time to pause and relax, uh, maybe spend more time on family, uh, more time on hobbies, and more than anything else, it's a time to just reflect and to be grateful for so much. And so having said that, uh, I'm missing hockey. Most of you are missing hockey. When we ended, the Rangers were two points out, two points out of a playoff spot behind Columbus and Carolina. So it was a good time. There's a lot of good energy. So for those selfish reasons as a hockey fan, it's disappointing. But having said that, I think hockey will come back. Not sure yet. And uh, until then, we just sit back and wait. And uh, we do our best to stay happy and stay healthy. Ron, what are you up to without hockey these days i know you're laying out on the beach you're showing off that 70s like porn hair chest hair that you have that i also have but you are out relaxing you're always bronze is it a lot of beach time and now the beach is shutting down or are you doing housework yard work are you hanging out with noah what are you doing well you know this is probably the first time in about 15 years where i'm not having to look at my calendar and thinking about uh, the next flight that i'm going to have to take Hardest part about my work, and I love my work, I love just about everything I do, is the hardest part is having to get there, meaning going to an airport, getting on a plane, flying somewhere, and then once I get somewhere, it's a hotel room. For the most part, it's okay, but I've been doing this for 15 years almost every single week. So for me, just thinking that I don't have to fly anywhere and I can just relax, I'm very grateful for where I live and I have a nice home near the ocean. And so I'm taking this time to just kind of um, do things that I enjoy doing on, on short periods of time when I am here, which is enjoy going to the beach. Take advantage of it. I like cycling. I like doing things that are a form of exercise. I like staying in shape. So I cycle. I like to play a little bit of tennis. But I don't do a lot of reading, but I love documentaries. So I've been spending some time on Netflix, which a lot of people do, watching and looking at different uh, documentaries. So more than anything else, it's just a good positive mindset, which I think we all need to have. Of course, I'm being careful on where I'm going, what I'm doing. And uh, I'm I'm doing my best to enjoy this because there's going to come a time again when it starts up again 
whether it's July or August, when we get start up again, for what I do, it's going to be going 100 miles an hour. So I'm going to, I'm just enjoying this time off. Instead of Netflix and chilling, you, as many other people, Ron, are quarantine and chilling, catching up on Netflix documentaries while staying inside and only going outside for groceries or anything necessary. And you talk about when the league comes back, which may not be till July. And we think of other sports. NBA might be, not be till June, July. Baseball might not start till June or July. What do you think the NHL does when they when they come back? Do you think an expanded playoff system works? Do you, you know, resume the regular season? Do you just go the top eight teams from each conference right now, which would anger a lot of Ranger fans? How is your best playoff system suited when they do come back? Well, I, I like the fact that they're thinking in a positive way that sometime in July that a lot of the dangers will be gone, that it'll be safe for teams to come back and to do a mini training camp. And that could be 10 days. I'm going to assume that uh, these well-trained uh, athletes are going to find a way to stay in good shape. They may not be on the ice that often, but by the time they would show up to this mini training camp in july within the week they'd be ready to start playing some games now what do those games look like you can look at all the teams that are in the playoff spot now and make a playoff series with those teams like a regular playoff series but then you got to look at the teams like the rangers who might be two points four points six points off a playoff spot how do you make it fair for them and so how do you play some games to give them an opportunity to make the playoffs or do you just add teams into the playoff format if you were within four points of making the playoff you're in the playoffs and then you start a playoff series i can remember back in the late 70s where that first round was two out of three it was two out of three with some of those teams were just uh, at the back end of making the playoffs so you could do something like that and get the get the playoffs started on a regular way which we've seen in the past when you look at um, the finals in the playoff series, off in the finals, they extend play. There's almost two days off between games. You can shrink that up some because the players by then, by August, they would have been well rested. And so you kind of shrink everything, but you give teams that were close to make the playoffs an opportunity to make the playoffs and you get started, the question would be then, would it be safe enough to play these games in front of an audience? That we won't know until then. So do you play games where it's private, only made for TV? Personally, I'd be fine with that. I'd be happy being at home and watching games with no audience, but just watching teams compete. That is possible. So there's a lot of different scenarios out there. I believe that games will be played by August. They'll find a way. And hopefully that with the way we're handling this virus, that it'll be safe to come out and for teams to go out and play. Because we've got to remember, a lot of these teams have their own private jet, private facilities, so they can be protected. It's just a matter of do you add a live audience to it. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. We got a long way till the sports world resumes. The NFL free agent world is really carrying sports right now with Tom Brady leaving for the Bucks and all these free agents going elsewhere and trades happening. But, uh, you know, until, you know, close to summertime, we might not have live games. Why don't we ask our buddy Hall of Fame Rangers beat writer for the Post, Larry Brooks, what he thinks about the NHL season, when it should return, and how they should format it when they do return. Joining us now is Rangers beat writer for the New York Post, Larry Brooks. You can follow uh, Larry on uh, Twitter 
NYP underscore Brooksy. Larry, welcome in uh, on this uh, week of uh, things being different, different in the hockey world, different for all of us. And so I got to ask you my first question, what's life been like for you without hockey, without following hockey, without talking hockey? <laughs> I do exist outside of the rink, but um, Donna's answer it seriously. I'm, I'm, you know, self-isolating. I've, I've gone out I think twice. Uh, well, I go out for a walk in the afternoons, and I think I've, I've been to the supermarket twice in the last seven days. I, you know, I try and pick up three or four days of, of groceries and whatever I need, and I try and go at off hours so there aren't many people there. I'm taking this, um, I think, seriously. I'm, I am. Uh, following all the suggestions, all the guidelines. So from that perspective, um, it's a unique week, a unique time for everyone in this country. From a hockey standpoint, from a, from a business standpoint, seriously, we've gone through this before. There was a lockout in 94, 95. So there was no hockey in October, November, December, until the middle of January. There was no hockey in 2012, 13, the entire season. I'm sorry, in 2004, 5, there was, there was no season. So there was no hockey. And in 12, 13, Again, there was a lockout and there was no season from October, November, December into the middle of January. So it is not unique to be sitting here in what should be the hockey season and have no hockey to write about. <laughs> you know, so I do have experience with that. And unfortunately, just about everybody in our business has experience with no hockey during the hockey season. I think this is an opportunity for me and, and for most hockey fan who follow you. I have to ask you, do you have any other hobbies? You have hobbies, other interests other than sports or hockey? Well, <laughs> I, I, I like music. I, I, this is, I, I like music. I like reading. Um, and I guess my biggest hobby, which, which I've been cut off from at this point, is playing with my grandchildren. So, yeah, I, 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 uh, I, I manage to do okay when hockey's not being played. But th thanks for the concern. <laughs> well, I'm just curious. Like, I'm sure a lot of people are. It's a good time now to talk about it. So having asked that question, how would you describe today's NHL player compared to, say, 10, 15 years ago, that player? Uh, just describe the difference between watching television in black and white, which I actually did, you know, until I was about 17 or 18 years old, and, you know, watching color television or, or you know, watching the old television and, and watching what we have now or, you know, the advances in technology. Um, those are the same kind of advances we've seen in hockey players and professional athletes. They're of a, a different cut, you know, physically and almost in a sense with their intellectual approach to the game because they see the game, I think, a lot differently. They they play the game. It's it's a much more skilled game now. And I think that great players in any era would be great players in any era. They would figure it out. And, you know, guys who, who may not have taken such great physical care of themselves because they didn't have to in maybe the 60s or 70s or 50s, well, they would now because their livelihood would depend on it. And so I always think that the great players would adapt and they'd be great. So I think that Mike Bossy would be, would be the 
goal scoring champion of, of this league or, or Wayne Gretzky would. I think they'd all figure it out. But it is such a different pace. And, you know, spending time in the locker room around guys, the, their bodies are chiseled. You know, they're, they're, they're different specimens. Um, the workouts. I mean, you guys used to work out, you know, across the street, lifting uh, mugs of beer after a game. These guys are in, in, the, in the workout room for 45 minutes after the game. And so it's, um, it's an entirely different universe. Let me ask you, do you, do you feel, and I and I got to tell the beginning of this private jets, chartering after games, not being together, heading home, uh, protecting the player, not allowing them to be together as much. Do you think that's affected the team chemistry? Hard for me to say. That's, that's probably a better question for, you know, maybe somebody who had played uh, back 15, 20 years ago and now might be involved as a as a broadcaster, you know, traveling with a team and, and, and might have a better understanding of it from from the outside looking in it, it's hard for me to say because i think that the two biggest difference you know with with the increase in skill and the way the game is played i mean it's all skill 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 at least during the regular season pretty much it's skill 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 so you don't have the same intensity in every game you don't have the same passion in every game because it's not as physical you can go through periods where there's barely a hit and I know there were there were games back then in the 70s and 80s, and, and we romanticize a lot, and you can go back and flip on YouTube, and, and there are terrible, terrible games going on all the time because they were really slow, you know? But there was there was a there was greater rivalries, I think, then. I think there were greater personal rivalries because they were physical. And they were, you know, you would you would have guys assigned to to shadow and check certain players and they got really t- it was tough. I mean, and there was stick work all the time. So I think the passion has a lot been removed from the game. And I and I think that's where there is no question that the skill level is exponentially better than it was 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago. There's no question about it. But I'm not sure that the games are always as entertaining because it's not, there's no visceral dislike between the teams. There's very little of that. And when, when you see it, you know, your antenna just goes up. And, you know, when 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 you have a bad blood between teams, it, it's it's so unusual now, whereas that used to be the diet. You know, that, that was just the menu of the day. You know, which rivalry was going to explode on a Tuesday night? Which one was going to explode on a Saturday night? So that's different. And we've evolved. I get it. I mean, you don't want guys swinging sticks. You don't want spearing. You don't want bench clearing brawls. It's made the experience. It's made the game completely different. I mean, I always thought the great thing about hockey was that there was no out of bounds in hockey. You know, you couldn't run out of bounds. Now there's still no out of bounds, but you, you're you a little bit safer on the ice. Okay, so let's talk today uh, on everyone's mind is um, the anticipation or the thinking about will the league start up again? And there's been a proposal out there that sometime in July there might be a mini training camp and then sometime at the end of July some games will start with a certain format. What what are your thoughts? What are your insights? What do you think it might happen here moving forward with the NHL? There are there are a number of, of factors, obviously, but I think originally or and, and even now, the league is hoping that somehow we can get back in a couple of months and then try and figure out whether to try and play a little bit of the remainder of the regular season or go straight to a, an expanded playoff format. It's my belief if they're able to resume 
it will be an expanded playoff format. I think a lot of people believe that 24 teams is a, is a good cutoff here. It happens to be that there are 24 teams in the league right now that are playing at NHL 500 or above. So you could kind of use that as a cut line. Other formats of 22 teams, 16, 18, 20, you know, there are different ones. The one that's floating around from um, that, that was produced yesterday coming back in late July, I think is a response to this to the um, CDC suggestion of, of no mass gatherings and, and actually the, the the White House's edict the other day of, of no mass gatherings for two months. And so I think this is now a response to the probably intelligent viewpoint that there, you're not going to be able to get back in six weeks or eight weeks. And so then what do we do if we're going into the summer? And this is coming from the players. And, I, and listen, I, I think the players want to play. I do. Everyone wants to play. You know, uh, the management people want to play. The fans want to want to play. I mean, the the journalists want to play. I mean, everyone wants the league to come back and play. But I think also the players have an extra stake in this, and that's money, obviously, because they're getting paid for the remainder of the season. If these games are not played, they're going to have to give the, that money back. There's no question about that. They're going to have to give it back. They want some revenue generated while they also want to be able to play for the Stanley Cup. So so they have two, I think, objectives. Get some money. Um, I don't blame them, you know, and play for the Cup. I think, however, that trying to come back in August to pick up a season that has been suspended in March, trying to pretend that, that this would represent any kind of a real competitions is just far-fetched to me. I don't see it working. Beyond that, I think that, that when even last week when I began to throw out ideas about what might happen, I think we were all looking at this as if hockey would return in a semi-normal environment. Well, we have no idea what the environment's going to be in May and June and July and August. We just don't. I think now it, it is less likely that it's going to be a normal environment. And I wonder about the logistics of trying to put on a hockey tournament if the country isn't up and running 100%. I also think there are, there are real uh, logistical issues for the NHL as applies to trying to finish the 2019-20 season at the end of August and then starting the 2020-21 season a month or six weeks later. You can cram in a calendar. However, if you're a prospective free agent, are you bringing your family to the city, you know, where you where where you might play four games and and that's it and then 3 weeks later you're going to be on another team? Where, where do your kids go to school? I, I think there are just so many issues attached to that, that um, while it's harmless to throw it out, and who knows, you know what, maybe in three months, the, <laughs> I'll look at it and say, you know what, this is a great idea. But at this point, I, I think it's rather far-fetched. And I, and I think soon, and when I, when I say soon, I don't mean in the next 48 hours, but maybe in the next few weeks, I think a lot of the NHL's focus is probably going to turn to, okay, how do we work our calendar to make sure that next season is okay? And I, and I think at some point that's going to be the focus. Okay. Thanks, Larry. Uh, we'll talk again next week and maybe we'll know a little more, maybe not, but we'll find something to talk about in the hockey world. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ronnie. I look forward to it. My next guest uh, played 12 years in NHL from 2000 to 2012. Six of those years, he played for the New York Rangers. He's always outspoken, very colorful, a friend of mine. 
Sean Avery. Sean, welcome to the show. How you doing, Ron? Thanks for having me. And so this morning, I um, I did some research, and of course, I want to be prepared because there might be stuff out there that I don't know, know about you. Although I don't know if you know, but you and I have a lot of thing in common. Uh, both being uh, Canadians, Ontario, Northern Ontario, played uh, for the Detroit Red Wings, LA Kings, uh, New York Rangers. Uh, both in the restaurant business, both did a little acting, did some modeling, and now we're both doing podcasts. And But you also ri- written a book, and I've had a lot of people want me to write a book, but you've written a book. What was the idea behind writing a book? Was it something that uh, something that you just wanted, you needed to share, you just wanted to get out? Yeah, actually, um, my last year in New York, a friend of mine handed me a Jim Bowden's book, Fall 4. I just kind of started chipping away at it as the uh, season was kind of going by. You know, I had read I had read uh, athlete autobiographies prior to that. I remember one of the first books I ever read was Brett Hull wrote a book called Shooting Shoot, Shooting and Smiling. I later learned that Brett didn't do much of the writing in the book, but you know, I enjoyed reading athlete autobiographies. So when I opened up Bowden's book, which he had written, you know, in '71. Um, I think it came out in 72. It was very refreshing because I think he was comfortable with who he was and the type of player he was and where he was at in his career. And obviously when the book came out, it made a lot of noise, kind of ruffled some feathers. I really enjoyed the style that he wrote the book in. And I think it really hadn't had been 30 years since somebody had written a book similar, which ended up, I think, hopefully being me. So that was kind of the format that I took from Bowden. And yeah, when I stopped playing, I I think that was immediately what I went to. I I had started kind of chipping away at just the idea and the format in my head. And one day I just woke up and, and I started writing everything down. And yeah, it was a pretty amazing experience. It took me about a year to write it. I ended up bringing on Michael McKinley, who is a Canadian writer that lives in New York. We really gelled nicely and, and we spent all said and done. I think it took about a year and a half to kind of finish everything and get the book done and buttoned up. But yeah, it was certainly fun. It was definitely a fun experience. Now, we're talking about Offside My Life Crossing the Line. You can still get it on Amazon, I believe. Yeah, Sean, I look back at how you got started. You you played junior hockey, but you were undrafted, and you make it into the NHL. You have a really nice career. When you look back at your career, are you satisfied with what you accomplished? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think, you know, I could have been just probably satisfied with making the NHL, which I... You know, in my mind, I always knew that I was going to. I I, I had no doubt that it was going to happen. Even, you know, I remember the day that the first draft went by and I didn't get my name called. It was never really a deterrent. It kind of turned into motivation. But no, definitely when I look back, I think, you know, the odds were all stacked against me. When I came in the league in 2002, it was a big league. You know, I was probably one of the smallest guys in the league. And then coming in on a pretty amazing team in Detroit uh being a part of that group yeah you know I I, I sit back and think like uh, I definitely try not to have any regrets I don't certainly don't have any regrets of, of being able to play for as long as I did and have as much fun as I did yeah what's in the news right now for the uh Ranger fans that are listening to our podcast a lot of talk is about Lundqvist and I know you had a friendship uh, you still do have a friendship look with Lundqvist what do you think when you're looking at what he's going through right now what would you what do you think would be the most respectful way to be able to handle him moving forward he's got one year left on his contract yeah well I think there's a lot of things up in the air right now 
obviously, whether or not they're even going to finish the season. I think the second part of that is what the buyout situation is going to be in the summer. You know, personally, I thought Hank should have made a move at the deadline to try and get himself to a new team. I think he's got a lot left in the tank. I think he needed that reset button. But then when you think about it, like, you know, listen, guys have lives outside of the game, especially a guy like Hank who's played as long as he has. He's got a big family now. So it's tough for me to say, yeah, I think you should have said, you know what, guys, it's time for me to move on. But I personally think the summer's going to come around. I think he's got that fire still inside of him where he's going to make the decision to maybe try and have the, the team, the Rangers, work with him and maybe he can find a new home. I still think he's a world-class goalie. I mean, if you look at the games and – you know, he played a couple of games before they suspended play. Tough for a goalie to just jump back in and start playing well. You know, on the other hand, maybe he says to them, buy me out and I'll come back and, and be the backup for the next couple of years and, and try and, uh, you know, try and rub rub off on uh, on the young kids. Jeff Stierkin and everyone lives happily ever, ever after and obviously he would come back at a much discounted rate but I personally would like to see him go and play somewhere else and try and win a cup. So Sean I, I listened to your podcast this morning uh, no F's given interesting title you had me for 45 minutes I started and normally I'll listen to something 10 minutes I'll shut it down but I listened to the whole thing and not only uh, were you telling uh, good stories of the past what it was like for you back playing when you did uh, but also your thoughts on the uh, uh, corona virus uh, how the league is handling it and how they should move forward and your suggestions for the singles out right now where uh, while you're on pause button what you should and should be doing the one story that uh, because in most of my podcasts I'm always asked tell a story of my past right which I have and but I would love if you would share with us and I, and I tell everyone right now who's listening to this go to his podcast no no F's given and listen to episode 12 because it's phenomenal. It's hysterical, especially for the single guys. But will you share your thoughts on um, what you went through when the team was taking the break during the Olympic break? And for the players that weren't part of the Olympics, you had all this time off. What was that time off for you? And would you recommend it moving forward? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a crazy thing to think that, you know, over – the last 10 or 15 years every four years that the league would take a, a two-week uh, break and and because the collective bargaining agreements worked out the way it is like players get about 10 days off to themselves where they can kind of do anything and you know I at that point I was uh, I wasn't married I didn't have any kids it was kind of like party time for us you know we ended up going down to Jamaica and and kind of having like a rip roaring time and um you know thinking thinking back on it now it's tough because in the moment you're you're playing any thought of having a break where you can go and lay on a beach and 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 have some fun with teammates it's tough to pass that up but thinking back on it it's like you got to find that balance because I said in the podcast, you can generally take seven days off as a player where you can probably do nothing and come back. And by the second period, you're feeling pretty good. Uh, I think anything longer than that, it's a pretty tough situation to kind of go from a two-week break on the beach where you're sucking back uh, uh, Jamaican beers and and dabbling in the local economy, which in Jamaica, you're, you're allowed to, uh, psychedelic mushrooms are, are, are legal. Yeah, it's, it's not something that I would, that I would recommend, but 
I think it's interesting now, guys, you know, what are they doing right now? Because this is so much different where you can't use the facilities, gyms are closed in cities. It's really unprecedented. Like, and that's why I kind of made the suggestion of like thinking about somebody like Austin Matthews finding a, a, a hockey camp, a, a summer hockey camp and telling them, open it up. We're going to come and have a training camp for a couple of weeks just to stay sharp because the team that comes back, if, if the league does start back up again, it's going to be a very, very diminished product in my mind. Like there, there's always going to be an asterisk inside it because it's such a unique situation. Even when there was work stoppages or a strike, we still had ice. There were still facilities where guys could skate. So yeah, it's, it's a pretty wild time. That's for sure. And so how would you describe a today's player compared to when you played? Yeah. You know, that's funny. I, I, I've talked to, uh, Obviously, Brendan Shanahan is is running a team in Toronto, and you know we talk occasionally about the players because I'm a Leafs fan. Like, you know, I love I love the Leafs. My favorite team's the St. Louis Blues because I was a big Brett Hall fan growing up. But you know, I always have uh, the Leafs in my in my heart, and I get frustrated with them sometimes because they're, they're not playing well. Shanahan kind of told me it's just a different player now. Like, you know, they're they're they like playing video games and they're not as uh, socially active as I think certainly we were uh, back in the day. So, yeah, I think it's interesting, which which on a certain level, like, I don't know if that's a good thing. You know, I, I don't I think part of the reason why the older guys that played, you know, years back, they like to work hard and play hard. Now, I think sometimes these kids, I look at them and maybe they just like to not do either. And it's a different world and they can sit around and play video games you know, for five or six hours a day after practice. I don't know any of them. So that's the thing is, is and, and certainly since this whole thing has started, I haven't seen much out of any of the players like social media. It's been pretty quiet. So, yeah, but I definitely think it's a different type of pro now. NHL players are different than they were 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. That's for sure. You made a mention on your podcast that you feel like uh, once they added private jets where players were protected they were flying in and flying out not doing layovers not spending time in any cities which meant not bonding together which we did a lot of that which a lot of that had we may not have uh felt really good on the ice but we played for each other we we became like a band of brothers right and so do you think that the private jet affected the chemistry of certain of teams yeah, totally. I mean, even even when you look at, take the Olympic break as an example, like guys can get a private jet and they can go anywhere they want. They're making so much money now. Um, or during the season, when, when teams were flying commercial, you always would stay over after a game in a city. And that that brings guys together. You know, after the game, the guys are out together. They're having a couple of beers. They're having dinner together. Now a game finishes and you go from taking your equipment off to getting on the bus. And in 25 minutes, you're on the tarmac and you're on a plane and your headphones are on and you're in your own whole new world. So it's totally different. Definitely. And yeah, I definitely kind of talk about now, maybe two or three times a year, you get a, a situation where the schedule works out. And you get to stay over in a city with your teammates and you get to go out and have some fun and do some things that you probably don't get the opportunity to do a lot of the time because you're on the plane and you're in and you're out. So Sean, uh, with the Ranger fans listening right now, uh, a fan favorite is uh, Brendan Lemieux. And you were obviously a fan favorite. Do you see any similarities in his game compared to how you play? the game 
Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he, man, he works his butt off, that's for sure. He's just a hard-working dude. I'd like to see him. One thing that frustrates me about the league now, currently, is the bottom two lines. I feel like they try and play like the top two lines a little bit too much. And the whole cycle game has kind of disappeared in the in the league. And uh, it's very frustrating to me because I think that the third and fourth line should be that old school cycle line. Like if you think of like the grind line in Detroit where you just cycle the puck and that's how you win games. And I think Lemieux, I'd like to see him play a little bit more of like a get down below the hash marks and get the puck and protect it and stick his butt out and kind of use his body. Because he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's a thick kid. But again, I think he's young. Yeah, I kind of... I read something and I kind of laughed like uh, him and his dad sort of have an ordinary relationship together because his dad was just a nasty dude to play against. You know, he, he was just a nasty dude. And that that coming from me, that, that that's, uh, you can kind of get what I'm saying at. But I, I like him. I like the kid. I, one other thing, I think somebody needs to start working with him on where he picks his spots on how to fight. And I keep seeing him where the team will go down to nothing. And then he gets out there and he tries to force a fight by trying to ask somebody to fight. Instead, I think the best way to get a, to find a fight is go out there and just run somebody. Run somebody through the boards and you'll find a fight pretty quick. Because now in the NHL, it seems like if you have a big clean hit, that means the other team wants to fight you. It's It's crazy now. So, yeah, I'd like to see him kind of work on that a little bit, but I like him. You know, I think he wears the jersey proud and he likes being a Ranger and fans are are, 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 are into how hard he's playing. So hopefully he keeps it going. I want to end this with uh, with your thoughts on, on yourself. You're still very young. What are your goals? What is it that you're – what's that next thing that you want to do? I know you're doing the podcast and I, do, I think you're doing a great job. What is it that – what's in the big picture for Sean Avery? Yeah, I mean, I, I three years ago, four years ago, I decided that uh, a friend of mine, Peter Berg, put me in a movie called Patriots Day, and I was on the train home, and I was just thinking to myself, that was really kind of interesting. Like, you're standing on set, all of a sudden the director says action, and there's 200 people standing around, there's this, like, fireball of energy. So I came back to New York City, I went to drama school. You know, now I'm a working actor, some days I'm a working actor. Some days I'm not a work. I'm an unemployed actor, which is kind of the way the business is when you're starting. So that's pretty much my focus now. I just finished finished a, the last year. I shot five or six movies. Some of them are coming out. Some some have already come out. Um, yeah, that's kind of the the path for me now. I it's funny. I feel. I feel as passionate about that now as I did when I was playing hockey at like 16 or 17. So, but you're, you're right. You finish playing and you have your whole life ahead of you. Like I'm about to turn 40 years old and I feel better than I did when I was 25. So you definitely got to find something to do. You got to figure out what's the next stage and what's something that's going to keep your attention. Not only that, something that you really are passionate about. So it's fun. Yeah, life is good. Yeah, Sean, I watched the movie Mile 22, and I didn't know that you were in the movie Mile 22 with Mark Wahlberg. And I, I really felt like, and I'm a real critic of actors, I thought you did a great job. And, uh, uh, and I know you have that. you have a movie coming out, The uh, the Tenet, coming out in July. Yeah, 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 that's going to be a big one. Yeah, so I encourage you to keep doing it because I thought you did a good job. It'd be fun to see. You'd be proud to know that we got a hockey player, a real hockey player in the movie business. So, 
Thank you for today. We wish you the best. And I encourage people to go see your podcast. You're doing a wonderful job. Thank you very much, Sean. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. They, uh, make sure you're wearing your sunscreen down there in Florida. You're going to keep that skin looking good. <laughs> oh, I'm looking good. I'm looking good. <laughs> I'm, I'm right, keeping man. it tight. And I'm, I'm taking your advice, too. You got to look good, feel good, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks. a wrap for episode 16 of up in the blue seats thanks to our producer jake brown for producing the show all season subscribe to the show rate us five stars and write a nice review wherever you listen you can also follow me on twitter at ron 10 thanks for joining us every week we will chat with you next time